What's up, you guys, and welcome back to Adulting with Joy Spring. If you are new to the podcast, well, welcome to it. This is Adulting with Joy Spring, the how-tos of your 20s by a 26-year-old, basically the blind leading the blind expectantly and with gusto. Before we move on to this podcast's episode, I just would like to thank everyone who's been supporting Adulting with Joy Spring, everyone who's been putting it in the top charts of Spotify and iTunes, and of course, to my friends who have already subscribed on Patreon. Now, if you don't know what Patreon is all about, basically it's a place for you to be able to donate to the podcast or become a monthly subscriber, and you can go to patreon.com slash adultingwithjoyspring to find out more about that. But right now, we move on to our topic for today. And this is a question coming off of Instagram, at sir.a underscore lin sends this. Her question is, how to be productive at work? I have to say, sir.a underscore lin, that this is a great question. Thank you for this. Um, it's a great question first because you want to better yourself as someone who works in your whatever career or your office. So that's great. It's always, I think adulting really is all about just constantly bettering yourself, not just for yourself, but also for the people around you. Um, and and second, because I think for someone to be successful, you constantly also have to be self-aware. Like success is also a lot of self-awareness, like the things that you're good at, the things that you're not good at, and how you can constantly improve on yourself. And I love this. I love this question. So I've actually jotted down a couple of ideas or I think things or practices that I do myself that I think could also be helpful for you if you want to be more productive at work. Now, first, I have to say that there are two very different ways to go about your productivity at work. Some people say that you have to work hard. Other people say that you have to work smart. And I think to reach maximum productivity, you have to be a little bit of both. You have to work hard, but also work smart. So that means that you don't necessarily spend as much time in one particular task or in the tasks that are given to you, but you spend the time that you need to in those given tasks the smartest way possible. So let's jump right into it. The first thing that I wrote down that you need to do to be productive or to be more productive at work is to find out the expectations of your superiors or your business partners or your employers from you. So find out and write it down. What are the things that they need from you? Um, when do they need these things from you and how do they want that how do they want you to go about it? I think it's very important to find out what people expect from us because we can't really operate on assumptions. Some of the biggest mistakes I think that I've ever made in my career or in my professional life, even in my personal life really, is rooted in miscommunication. It's me not knowing exactly what was needed from me, whether that was my ex-boyfriend who apparently had a different love language or my client who apparently wanted a different voice or a different look for the brand that I was endorsing. It really is very, very different when you know what the ultimate goal is for hiring you. Like, why do people get you? What skills do they need for you to show them? Sometimes you have strengths that aren't necessarily needed for the task at hand. For example, when I interview people, 
I'm very talkative and I have a lot of opinions. And sometimes I need to realize, most of the time, I need to realize that I'm there as an interviewer. So my interviewee is supposed to talk more than me, even if I had the skills to actually add and subtract to whatever it was that they were talking about. So know the expectations and the ultimate goal of why you are even hired and why you're in that team and why you're in that company or event or whatever it is that you do. And by knowing the expectations, it becomes easier for you or at least it becomes clearer for you how you are going to go and achieve those expectations, deliver well, and do so in a manner that's not exhausting to you or to the people that you work for but at the same time will also be best for both parties. Now, the second thing that I wrote down that could probably help you to become more productive in the work that you do is very much correlated with the first one. So now that you've found out what the expectations are from you, it's going to be time to list down the things that you need to achieve, but also segregate them in the Eisenhower matrix. Now, if you've never heard of this, it's something that I picked up from a book that I absolutely love, which I think you should also read. It's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. And the Eisenhower matrix is a little bit of a mouthful, but it's very, very helpful if you want to segregate and do your to-do lists in a manner that's, I think, the most productive. So the first thing that you need to do is to write them down, right? Like you have your expectations already or your to-do list or the things that you need to achieve and then segregate them. Number one, the important and urgent things. What are the important and urgent things that you have to do? So these are the things that you need to do urgently because they're very important. Number two, they're important, but they're not that urgent. So these are the things that you need to plan. So if the first one you have to do, the second one you can plan. So if the first one, for example, is you need to submit documents for your businesses that has a deadline, that have a deadline. So that's urgent and important. An example of an important thing that you have to do, but not that urgent is you need to plan or schedule for a meeting, meeting with your clients, meeting with your business partners, whatever it is, right? And then the third one, the third panel of this Eisenhower matrix is the urgent but not important. So if it's urgent but not important, you can go ahead and delegate that task to someone. If you are, if you have someone, an assistant with you or a teammate with you that actually has free time or can do it for you, and most especially if you have a team that you're leading, learn to delegate tasks that you can. These are tasks that are urgent but are not important. And fourth and finally in the Eisenhower matrix, it's the not urgent and not important things. Those are the things that you have to eliminate. And that's work. You know, sometimes one of the most important lessons that we have to learn is to lessen the load of work. And by lessening the load of the work, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're taking out things that are important, but you're taking out things that are not important and not urgent. So these are things that are not helping out your life. Like, I mean, sometimes it's added to your schedule, you know, finish this series that you're watching. And it's not necessarily important or urgent if it's not related to the work that you do, especially if you're trying to squeeze it in during the time of your work. So I know you feel FOMO because the new season of this show just came out and all of your friends have watched it already. But it's not in your important and it's not in your urgent tasks. So learn to eliminate them. 
Next on the list, after achieving the things that are expected from you, after doing them in the most productive way because you found out which are the urgent, important, not urgent, but important, etc., etc., things that you need to do, one thing that I think people often overlook in their work-life balance, number three on this list, is to take breaks that will help you kind of like gather yourself and gather your team even and build that bond between coworkers and peers. Why did I add this taking a break thing in staying productive at work? I think one thing that I had to learn the hard way is that when you work hard, And when you feel exhausted, that does not necessarily mean that you did your job well. And taking a break and resting should be incorporated in our daily routines of working and being career men and women. I think now there's a sense of competition sometimes for my friends or for people around me na how, who can survive the longest or who can work the best with the least amount of sleep. And yes, it's funny, like team no sleep or I'll sleep when I die. But in reality, it really takes a toll not only in your performance, but in your being. I mean, we all need to take a break, even if it's just like a five minute, a two minute prayer break. If you want to go out and pray and just breathe for five minutes, if you want to take a nice long shower before moving on to the next project, if you want to actually sit down and have a meal with your friends and your teammates Honestly, some of the best ideas or some of the best business decisions I've ever made were done during the times that I was taking a break and not like pounding myself over from one task to another. So learn to take a break. Learn to take smart breaks, right? Like give yourself goals. So let's say for me, one of the things that I really need to schedule is my reading because I love reading books, but I don't have time for them anymore. So what I would do is if I finish an event early and then I come home, I would allot myself. I I set a timer. I read for 30 minutes. And then after 30 minutes, I either do something that would stop my brain from thinking, right? Like if that's watching one YouTube video or listening to music and drinking a great cup of coffee or hot chocolate, just kind of like resetting your brain and resetting your body and teaching it to really relax after a long task and not constantly being on overdrive, it changes the way that you are. It changes the way that you handle your relationships. And it also changes the way that you work. So learn to take breaks and to rest because that is super caduper important. Next. Next on my list is to write down a distraction list. Have you ever experienced that when you're doing some very difficult tasks or something very, very deep, like deep work, what you call deep work, you know, you're writing an article or you're applying, you're making a business plan, you're doing something very important, but then things keep popping up in your brain, like, oh, I need to write, I need to text this person, or, oh, I need to set dinner with my mom, or, you know, these are the distractions that all of a sudden pop in your head while you're doing very deep or important work. Make a list and write those things down because sometimes when your brain is focused on one thing, that's when the other subconscious, major important things pop up. So what I realized is my one of the 
one of the ways that I really think about new content that I need to make is when I'm doing deep work, when I'm actually making a podcast or writing something down, when I'm in the middle of an event, when I'm at work taping, all of a sudden I would have new ideas or things that I need to achieve. And instead of just saying, okay, fine, I'll do that later, write those distractions down so you can go back to it and see what are the tasks that you really need to achieve and how you can go about in achieving them. Write down a distraction list. Next up, another thing that you can do to make sure that you're being productive at work is to ask for feedback. I know that this is very difficult because sometimes the feedback that we get aren't things that we want to hear. And sometimes they can actually be very, very positive. I think the problem with us Filipinos though sometimes is we, we're very passive or we're very, we love to please other people. So when they ask for our opinion, we seldom, re, we seldom say things that we know will hurt them or we know aren't the best things to say, right? Like I, I had to learn that my team needed to constantly remind me to post on social media or to be more active in the gym, to kind of like take care of myself better. And these are things that I didn't like hearing because it meant that I wasn't paying attention enough to myself or to the work that I'm doing. But once I hear these feedbacks, that's that's the only time that I really take action and improve myself, right? So ask for feedback from your coworkers, from your bosses, from your partners, right? And ask them what are the things that they've liked. Like ask them to encourage you. Sometimes we all need encouragement. Not sometimes. We all need encouragement all the time. So tell them what are the things that I've been doing right so I can keep doing them and what are the things that I haven't exactly been doing correctly so that I can improve on them. So take action on these constructive criticisms and focus on the compliments or the things that you're doing well and the strong points that your your co-workers will tell you about. And by doing that, you kind of constantly am reminded that A, you're all right. You, You don't have to keep being worried about how your performance is doing because people have given you feedback. And B, that these are, the, these are the weak points that you can actually focus on next time so that you can better you, you can have a better foundation for the next tasks that you will be doing. So ask for feedback, take action, and be grateful that you have people around you to remind you of the things that you can and cannot do. Next up. All right. The next thing that you need to remember, that we need to remember, is to be professional. I know that's such an overarching idea. Like, what exactly is being professional? Well, I've written some things down. Like, don't be late, dress appropriately, eat well and on time, and never compromise your well-being for the work that you need to do. If you need a break, take a break, but don't quit. Those are just, like, the things that I jotted down. Don't be late. I've experienced that when I work with family or with friends, or even when I work with people or when I have workmates that eventually I become very close with, they become lenient on their professionalism. Like they start arriving late or they start not meeting deadlines or they start doing things that aren't necessarily professional. And then they would just go, okay lang yan, it's Joyce, you know, she'd understand. She's busy too. And I understand, yes, it's true. I understand the circumstances that we all have to operate in. But at the same time, I want to remind all of us that there is no excuse for being unprofessional. 
we cannot use our family or friend or close co-worker card to be late or to submit late or to do things relaxed just because we're close to the people that we work with. There always has to be a certain level of professionalism that you have to maintain if you want to be successful, not just in your work, but also in maintaining great relationships with the people around you. Another facet of being professional is to also dressing appropriately. I've only realized recently, and by recently I mean probably last year or this year, how differently our outfits make us feel. When you wear something sloppy, when you wear something that you're just super comfortable with, or something that's really not work appropriate, the way that you handle yourself sometimes can be led by the outfits that you have. And I don't mean to be superficial, and I'm not saying that outfits are superficial or fashion is superficial. All I'm saying is it can dictate your mood. And your mood and your state of mind always dictates the work that you do, the work that you make. So learn to dress appropriately. If you're going to a meeting, dress nicely. If you're meeting with a client, dress nicely. You know, and if you're just staying at home and doing work in your laptop, you know what? What I've realized also is if I fix myself, I take a nice shower, I fix my hair, I fix my clothes, my mind when I sit down in front of my home office is in a different place. It's in a work mode because my body is all of a sudden given this cue that, hey, you're not just hanging out at home, you're not just chilling with your friends, you are right here in your house, yes, but you're also here to do some work. So dress appropriately and dress in a way that will be helpful to you to achieve the work that you need to do. Professionalism also entails a lot of different things. It entails being courteous. It entails being respectful. A lot of other things that we really need to focus on if we want to be productive at work. Um, and these are things that we, I guess, we're, we're more prone to forgetting because it's not it's not the technicalities of the work that you're doing. It's not like emails or writing proposals or making business plans. It's character development, but it's character development that really changes the way that we do our work. So always be professional. All right, so we're drawing a little bit um, to the end of this article that I actually wrote on how to be more productive at work. And next on my list is to learn from successes as well as failures. I know that it's easy to learn from our failures, right? Because you just kind of go, okay, so that doesn't work. I guess I'm not going to do that again. But it's also very important to learn from successes. And I don't just mean the successes that you achieve in your own work, but also be observant enough to see the successes of the people around you. Like, what are they doing right that you can actually pick up on? And you can actually see this not only from the people that you work with or the people around you, but it's also something that you can pick up on from books, from watching TED Talks, from just constantly educating yourself and seeing that there is a Pattern. If you really look at successful people, if you look at people who have invented great things or who have changed the world in their own little way or in their own big way, right? There's always a pattern to these geniuses and these people who are incredible at what they do. So learn from their successes and of course, learn from other people's failures. Some of the best 
lessons I've ever learned were lessons that I didn't have to learn myself. I saw it in my friends, like they made these mistakes or I saw it from successful people who openly talk about their low points in their careers or in their businesses. And by learning from these successes, as well as failures, you kind of lessen your own mistakes, hopefully. You lessen your own mistakes because you already see people making it and then you know that it's not something that you should be doing. All right, so next on my list is the pre-mortem. Now, some of us were... I guess we're familiar with the term post-mortem where when something goes wrong, you sit down either by yourself or with your team and you figure out what went wrong. Post-mortem. But pre-mortem is basically before you even do a task, before you even go to an event, before you even present your business proposal. I don't know why I keep going back to business proposal, but that's all I can think about. Um, Before you, you do that, right, you already try to look at and list down the things that could possibly go wrong. And by writing down a pre-mortem list, you can either A, prevent these mistakes from happening, or B, figure out how you can deal with it if the events or if the mistakes are inevitable. So write the pre-mortem list when you have a big project or you have a big event happening and write down the things that you can do to actually solve these problems. Next up on my list is to force it for five minutes. This is something that I've already talked about either in my previous vlogs or in my previous podcast episodes to force it for five minutes. I constantly get letters or questions about how do you deal with it if you don't, if you're really not in the mood, if you really have no idea for your, for the new thing that you need to create, if you have, you have nothing, as in you have nothing, but you know that you need to make do and you need to work, right? And what I always say is to just suck it up and force it for five minutes. After those five minutes, eventually, usually, eventually, your work juices will start flowing. It's with everything, even with going to the gym. If you don't feel like going to the gym, don't even contemplate in your bed. Like Dress up in your gym attire, go to the gym, and just force it for five minutes and what do you see like usually when I force it for five minutes when working out after five minutes I'm enjoying what I'm doing already or I'm seeing results already or I'm sweating already or something is happening already that has taken me out from being lazy or being uninspired or being so tired and it has brought me to new horizons and because of that I feel more inspired to actually okay I'll just continue doing this because this is what I need to do anyway so That's one trick that has worked for me all of these years. When I don't feel like reading, when I don't feel like going to the gym, when I don't feel like making podcast episodes or writing down um, things for my social media or even just for myself, I force it for five minutes and then eventually it all flows out and it goes continuously on until I finish the task at hand. Now, sometimes it doesn't work. Forcing it for five minutes doesn't work. And I feel like that's your body telling you that you really need a break. So when it doesn't work after five, 10, 15 minutes that you're forcing it, just go on and rest and let yourself be, let yourself be lazy for a day unless you have a deadline that you need to meet. And then try to force it again for five minutes after you've given yourself an ample amount of time of resting. All right. Next and finally on my list is to learn when to say no. Ayan, this is 
I think one of the biggest mistakes I have ever made in my entire life is spreading myself too thinly and not being productive. My understanding of productivity before is that I am doing as much work. I'm doing more work than anybody else in the room. I am spending more time at work than anybody else that I know. I'm spending less amount of sleep than anybody else that has survived in the past 10 years. And it's taken a toll on me. And I realized that Learning to say no is just as good as learning when to say yes. So the right opportunities will come and you have to know when you can say yes. And then the distraction that seems like opportunities will also come. And then you have to learn how to say no. There are great projects, obviously, and there are great projects to do left and right. But that's why I'm going to make a podcast very soon about finding out your purpose and knowing what your ultimate goal is. Because if you don't know what your ultimate goal is and what your main purpose is in life, what you want to achieve, you will always keep saying yes and no to things that are not going to bring you closer to your ultimate goal. And anything that doesn't bring you closer to your ultimate goal is bad for you. I know that that sounds so strict, but just in general, it's bad for you. I, I remember like having to argue with myself because I studied fine arts in college and I loved painting. But at the same time, I had reached the point in my career where people were just confused as to what is, what is it that she does? Like she's a painter, she's a writer, she's doing TV, she's doing digital. What is it that Joyce does? And that's when I knew that I just wasn't being productive. I wasn't maximizing myself in one thing. I wasn't very good in one thing. I was like kind of good in everything. And it's not bad, but it's also not the best thing for you to be just okay in every task that you do. There has to be one thing that you're a master at, that you're the go-to person for, that you are the best at, right? And then the rest of the things you can do on the side. And those things are either you answer to with a no or you answer with a not yet. Like if, for example, I'm exhausted at work and I've been busy the entire week and my friends tell me that they want to go out, they want to have dinner, they want to hang out. I need I needed to learn how to say no because just because I'm alive and kicking and my event finishes early does not necessarily mean that I should go on that dinner because my body needs to rest also. It's not a no, it's a not yet. So you have to learn how to say no and how to say not yet to either people, to opportunities, to projects so as not to spread yourself too thinly. All right, so I think that's it. Those are the things that I wrote down that I think would be helpful to you, um, sir.a underscore Lynn. And to anybody really who wants to be more productive at work, these are the things that have helped me anyway. And with the hundreds of work that I juggle in one day, like right now I am recording in, inside my car while Wancho is playing basketball here in Laguna because I need to balance my love life with my work life and I need to you know attend to my responsibilities both as a podcaster and as a girlfriend so you have to make way and you have to find a way to be more productive and I think 80% of the work that that goes on with being a successful person I'm not saying that I'm successful but if we all want to be successful or good at the very least uh, in what we do or in the field that we're in, we have to be smart and uh, strategic with how we go about our days and our day-to-day, -day, our 
hourly way of going about um, making decisions. So there, hopefully that episode helped you out. I'm really, really, really happy that a lot of people, I'm really happy, I'm ecstatic rather, that a lot of people have been sending their questions and their queries on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And as usual, thank you very much for your incredible responses. I am so touched and grateful to the Lord that I'm given this platform to really voice out my opinions, my perspectives, and to see that other people are actually benefiting and help uh, and being helped by it. So if you want to be more in touch with the podcast, you can also check out my website, www.joyspring.com for the show notes that will be posted very, very soon and also be a part of my Patreon family by donating or by becoming a monthly patron on patreon.com slash adultingwithjoyspring. No pressure though, guys. And I have to also update you that I'm about to do a business series with some incredible Filipino entrepreneurs very, very soon on this podcast. So if you have any questions regarding business, starting your own business, having your own startup or whatever it is that may be related to business or finances, go ahead and send them my way. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this particular episode of Adulting with Joyce Spring. And I'll see you guys soon and talk to you soon. Paalam!